0: is coming back to give us another movie. Presumably he's going to ignore the second movie, but I don't know if that necessarily will play into his favor, because, I don't know, the second movie's not bad. Welcome, nerds. In today's episode, we have the Fallout TV series coming out of hiding. We have Disney getting Doctor Who. We have another major DC shakeup, as well as Doctor Doom and Silver Surfer rounding out the rumor mill. So join me uh, before we get to the news and the things. Let's take care of the housekeeping. In housekeeping, um, we have a little bit, not much, uh, we should be on for a, uh, the second episode this week. So the, uh, <laughs> I realized uh, after. I posted last week's episode. That apparently the last uh, Saturday episode never got published to the uh, to the other outlets besides just the YouTube. So my apologies to all of the audio outlets, and uh, I think there's one video outlet that didn't get it as well. Uh, Many apologies. Uh, I mean, I'm one man show. Sometimes mistakes happen, and I get busy, especially because you know I publish probably fifteen to 18 uh, uh, videos a week, so that's a lot of work, and th- things get overlooked, and that was one of them, and again, my apologies. If you are interested, though, in the things that we talked about in there, it is up on the YouTube channel, Generally Nerdy, so go check that out, unless you're already there, in which case, hi, nerds. Um, either way, that I think is all we have for housekeeping we are approximately two weeks away from the off season so things are going to be changing for a couple of months uh, while I you know do things behind the scenes and actually take a little bit of me time because like I said publishing this many videos and audio episodes and all that stuff a week is a little exhausting especially considering I have a day job on top of it so it's uh yeah it's it's necessary time down at the end of the year that I take every year but also so we come back and we're refreshed, and we have the, uh, the the more new things to look at, and all of the extra shiny bits are polished and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, that is all we have for the housekeeping, so let's jump into that just happened. Um, this section is, I, I really like the way it's going. So, that being said, the uh, the trajectory for this was we're going to experiment with it before it gets to uh, the off season. In the off season, I'll make a bunch of assets for it, and then once we come back, we're going to have ostensibly three episodes a week. It's going to be this main episode, it's going to be the secondary live episode, and then it's going to be That Just Happened, where we talk about all of the things that happened in the last week, which is the section you are joining me for, which is super rough and, and all that jazz right now, so uh, it will be better come January, uh, but thank you very much, nerds, for joining in the conversation, so let's get into the section, as it were. So this week, we had another episode of Interview with the Vampire, and this one is noteworthy so eventually we're we're not going to talk about every individual episode for that just happened but this is pretty dang noteworthy because this was the introduction of the other major force I'm not going to say main character necessarily for this story but major force for this story as far as the Anne Rice uh, novel was concerned Uh, Claudia is a force of nature and there's no denying that it's 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 (laughs) The original Claudia that was in the... I believe the book came out in 79? Might have been 76. Uh, The the original Claudia was written into the book as a sort of... uh, an, a representation, I guess, is a good way to say it. A representation of Anne Rice's daughter, who died at a very young age. I believe she was five when she passed. Uh, so Anne Rice, rightfully so, being a mother, was pretty torn up about the loss of her uh, young child. And so she, in order to deal with it, put her into the book. So that's why the character of Claudia is so young. Um, and that the youth kind of flavors the character in that uh there are a lot of issues when you are stuck in a five-year-old body and you've been on this earth for over 80 years, like things start to happen psychologically that really screw with you. So that was, that's the, that is the the kind of the base essence of who Claudia is in the book that's kind of what we got in the original movie in 95 as well with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise um so uh, and and played by Kirsten Dunst and in the movie that happened again in 95 uh, she was 12 years old I believe is how they build it but still Um, She might have been 11. She was still effectively just before puberty, so you could kind of still get away with a lot of the same stuff in that she's stuck in a child's body and, you know, has been around for some time and kind of goes crazy because she never gets old. Nothing ever, you know, changes for this, uh, this person, this character, this vampire. Um... So now in the series that's airing on AMC, we just got introduced to their version of Claudia. And there are actually a fair amount of things that I really do appreciate about this character as seen through the lens of the AMC series. First of all, I really appreciate that they... They change, they pivot the point of view for the introductory episode. She becomes the narrator, effectively. Whereas Louis was the narrator previously for this episode, for about 90% or so of this episode, she is the narrator. So uh the 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 the, the writer finds her diaries, um, and is given her diaries, I guess, by Louis, and starts to craft his story from her point, or starts to read her diaries, so that's why we get her point of view, but is crafting his 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 piece based on her diaries for this episode, right? That's the, the meta story. The actual story of Claudia, um, they attempted, they attempted to play a similar card with the child body thing, but at, uh, I believe this character is supposed to be 15, Fifteen or sixteen, um, it's. I mean, it's not a full. I, I'm. I'm. And this is so weird. that like territory to be discussing, but uh, it's not. She's not fully a woman, but she is on the latter half of puberty. So like, there are womanly things about this uh, character by the time she is turned into a vampire, and so th- the stuff. Doesn't hit the same as if she were prepubescent, as, it, as if she were a child. Though they do, they do kind of the, the, do their own version of a lot of the things that this character is based on. Whereas. Uh, she does they do acknowledge that yes she is uh, a uh, post-adolescent teenager so which kind of just makes her really annoying but it also means that she you know there's there's a boy in her life all of a sudden and when she tries to act on her feelings for said boy she doesn't know how to deal with it and so he ends up I mean I guess spoilers if you care uh, sorry I should have said that previously but I mean we're talking about an episode that already happened so I feel like that should have been a not necessary thing to say either way spoilers um so she ends up you know taking the life of this boy whom she's interested in as they're trying to do things um and so that is a fair it's a decent way of doing it it's not the best way of doing it but i mean they definitely could have gone a lot Dumber with this, I guess, is a fair way to put that. So I do appreciate the attempt, though the execution is kind of poor. Uh, the other thing that I really did appreciate is her relationship with Louis. Uh, they're they're really doing a fair job with that as well, making her uh, very close to him. Though I feel like in the book, I read I read an an, an, an analysis of the comparison of what happens in the book and versus the series and how, you know, these two uh, dichotomies are different. Um in the book, Louis and Lestat are and and I didn't really think about this until I read the analysis. Louis and Lestat are both effectively her parents in a lot of ways because Louis in a moment of weakness drains too much from her. He doesn't mean to kill this little girl, but he's going to if Lestat doesn't step in and save her. Now, so he, you know, he by all intents and purposes has killed this child, and Lestat has saved this child. So, Lou, there's a there's a line in the book where Louis says, "I took your life, and he gave you a new one," um, which is uh, which is why Louis feels obliged to take care of this this creature so much. And Lestat is Lestat, and he never feels obliged for anything, at least at this point in his life. So, uh that change kind of is noticeable. The fact that that part of that relationship is not there is highly noticeable because instead of Louis taking her life, it's the fire that takes her life effectively. And yes, for if you want to kind of grasp at straws a little bit, it is Louis' fault that the fire is happening. So he can still ostensibly blame himself for her death, but that is like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon removed, so it just doesn't have the same impact. Um, so that's that, that, that. That's the kind of the basic uh, things that are working for Claudia. I think the thing that isn't working for Claudia, unfortunately, is the actress. I don't know. There's something about the way a 20-year-old is told to act by, the, uh, the, I'm assuming, some sort of 50, 40 to 50-year-old, to act as a teenager, there's there's a lot lost in that translation. Um, I, her accent is kind of comes and goes. Sometimes it's super thick. Sometimes it sounds very fake and not really a whole lot in between, and it's never really good. It's never like, oh, that sounds like somebody from Louisiana. That sounds like somebody from the American South. I've, I never get that from this actress. So, uh, it, I mean... It has nothing to do with any other, you know, uncontrollable circumstances, aside from the fact that I just don't think she has the acting ability to pull off what they're trying to pull off. I don't think many people would have the ability to pull off what they're trying to pull off with this character because they've changed so much about this character. It, uh, Who is this character anymore? So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with Interview of the Vampire. I'm still digging it. I still, like, I, like I said, there is a lot. I love this Louis. I think this is probably my favorite interpretation of Louis. Uh, Jacob Anderson is brilliant in this role. I think uh, Sam Reed is also really good as Lestat. There's been a couple of points where I was taken out of the Lestat character, but really minor, really nitpicky stuff. Uh, nothing really noteworthy at all. So by and large, I love both Jacob and Sam. Uh, I, I think though, the big, the, still the big thing with me is, they were never intended necessarily to be, I, I think there is a missed opportunity. Let's, let's rephrase this because we've already said it this way. We've already said it the way I was going to say it. I think the better way to put this is there is a very big missed opportunity because if we're trying to push this narrative of, uh, in, in inclusivity and gender identity and yada, 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 X, Y, and Z, there is a sexual identity here that honestly, was in the original text, and that is that vampires are... Pansexual. So if that that's that wasn't a word necessarily when Anne Rice wrote the book, I'm sure that's how she would have had them describe themselves, especially to. Uh, but it was 1976, man. So like, yeah, it was very pre a lot of this stuff. It was very early in the LGBTQ movement or whatever. However, whatever vocabulary you're supposed to use there. Um, so I I think this is a, that's a pretty big missed opportunity in the grand scheme of things, though relatively minor as far as who these characters are and how they're being portrayed. So that's where we're at with Interview with the Vampire. I know, the, the, the That Just Happened stuff is a little rambly, I'm sorry. We're moving on into our next one, though, and that is The Winchesters have dropped episodes one and two, and not gonna ramble much on this one because our our feelings have been very eloquently put up until this point in that this show is doomed from the beginning uh uh oh man so i was hopeful that these episodes will maybe they're going to be acted proper maybe they're going to be directed in such a way maybe that's something maybe something about the presentation of these uh, broken characters is going to be redeeming enough that we can look past the glaring issue with the lore I'm afraid that's not happening. Um, it's decent. It's not terrible. It's definitely the best of all of the potential spin offs for the Winchesters. So I guess it's got that working for it. But like, oh, there is, there is a lot to take in. We're jumping into this, uh, <laughs> They're making a lot of assumptions. Let's let's go that direction. They're making a lot of assumptions as for who their audience is and who and how much they already know about this franchise. They're assuming you know who John and Mary Winchester are because John and Mary Winchester, by and large, are there's not a whole lot of build up to who these characters are. You just kind of get thrown into the middle of their lives, which can be good if they fix it down the down the road, you know, you've gotta get a little bit of, of character development. You can't just assume that everybody likes these characters. You can't just assume that everybody wants these characters or knows that these characters are, are badasses. That's just not, there's the, and then on top of the fact that we don't get any character development for John and Mary, we also have the other characters in this series. And I didn't even honestly write down their names because I don't think this show is gonna go very far. I think we'll make it through a season. We might get a second season but if it goes beyond a second season i will be very shocked unless it gets much much better very quickly um that being said we have all of these other characters who are trying to get some sort of character development however minor that might be we are getting some sort of character development for them because they're legitimately new characters so we have to establish who they are and how badass they really are And it's just this muddy mess of... Uh, I do, why, why do I care who this version of John and Mary Winchester are? Because obviously you're creating new mythology, because the mythology that, that was laid out by the original series, the original Supernatural series, says that John doesn't know that Mary is a hunter until after Mary's dead. And yet, when they meet, it's because of hunter-y things, and now John is part of the hunter team, and it's a Scooby gang, and... Oh man, and I read an interview with the head writer, with the, I believe he was the showrunner, again, didn't put it in the notes because I don't think it's going very far, but uh, I read an interview with him where he's saying, I believe it was from New York Comic Con, where he said that they're not rewriting anything and they're not changing the lore, And I really think he doesn't know the lore he's working with because the fan, the the community that loves Supernatural were very vocal about this very large issue with the story because it was very obvious from the trailers and everything that this is how it was going to go. So I, I just, I will, I will continue watching for another few episodes to see if it does get better. But like I said, that has to happen fast and they have to do a lot of Course correction in order for this fan of Supernatural to really get invested and probably many, many other Supernatural fans as well. So, our next one for uh, that just happened is American Horror Story. Oh, yeah, American Horror Story episodes one and two also came out. I think actually by the time this goes up, there will be a third American Horror Story episode. And uh, in spite of what, if you've been watching the show for a while, in spite of what you might be thinking about my interpretation of this, I'm digging this uh, 11th season. I think this is setting up a very compelling story. Uh, The setting... Is what it is. I mean, I, we can get into the the politics of that and the representation elements of that, but that's irrelevant to how good the story is. I, the, the story is, is, there's a quality story here. There is something that is being told that actually has a little bit of weight. Um, I think that what they're doing is they're setting up a lot of potential options. I think this is also potentially the most focused that American Horror Story has been in a very long time because I don't see a whole lot of subplots. Yes, there are, I believe there's the main story of the the killer that's killing the gay men in New York, and then there is uh, some kind of subplot where maybe this producer guy is also killing gay men and making it look like it was the other guy. So, but they tie together. <laughs> American Horror Story is notorious for not tying its plots together really at all. And it made very evident in the last season, the double feature season, where the last five episodes had absolutely nothing to do with the first six episodes. Yeah, that's uh, that's not this at all. This is rather coherent and, and like, streamlined by comparison and a very compelling, I want to see what's going on with these characters. I want to watch the next episode. And I honestly haven't been able to say that, well, I'll I'll, kind of give this one a caveat, but by and large, I have not been able to say that, that I'm interested in the next episode for an American Horror Story series for some time, since like, I don't know, Freak Show, I think, was the last time I really cared about this series. Um, the caveat to that though is I really dug the first half of the double features uh, the double feature season that was really good I think the Mokoli Kolkin honestly remembered how to act and did a killer job and kind of elevated a lot of the other performances Evan Peters is always fantastic which he hasn't been in this season yet so I'm very interested to see who he's going to be in this season or uh, he might not even be in this season I can't remember either way I'm digging it. Let's move on. (laughs) Next, we're talking about the final episode of House of the Dragon, episode 10, The Black Queen. Wow. Did this show start super slow and then build into a feverish climax and then just leaves you chomping at the bit for more in season two. Uh, it was a little transparent, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I mean, if you're paying attention, you know that something horrible is going to happen, right? So that kind of already sets up the expectation. And then when we spend as much time as we do with uh, Rhaenyra's children, with her eldest children, I guess, then you kind of get a feeling, all right, somebody's going to die. And then we only spend time with the youngest of the elder, elder two children and go, Oh boy. <laughs> and it happens in such like, to, to call it satisfying, I feel like is really dark, <laughs> but is kind of true. Like, Oh man, this is, this is the setup for the war. This is all bets are off. Everything else goes out the window. The only thing that matters is Renera's revenge for the death of her son. And oh my God, season two is going to be in incredible is going to be abs and if if they stay on this track now notoriously throughout this first season they've kind of set things up and then done a time jump and then made all of that setup irrelevant and then they did a time jump and made all of the next set of setups irrelevant and well by and large irrelevant i think there is a little bit of a through line but really not a strong one from the beginning of this season to the end. I think the last clumping of episodes, last like three, was it three or maybe four episodes? That's all that really matters as far as the story to come. Yes, there is potentially a lot of really interesting stuff to explore in those first six episodes, roughly, but uh, we're just gonna forget about all of those potential avenues and move along with this war story. So uh, it's a little less satisfying than I would want it to be, though more satisfying than I expected it to be. So we're somewhere in the middle, and. It's working, and I hope they can continue that momentum through season two. Uh, Let's move into Joe Bob. Oh God, I watched Joe Bob. The first half of the Joe Bob Halloween special was a uh, 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 Elvira movie, Elvira's Haunted Hills from 1980 something. Um, And uh, oh boy, no, 2001. It came out in 2001. Good Lord, (laughs) that makes it even worse. Uh, Joe Bob usually picks really cool, uh, like relevant movies, really, uh, quality movies to a certain degree. I don't know that any Elvira movie is quality, so I don't know. Uh, I have yet to finish the Joe Bob special, the Joe Bob Halloween special, uh, because he always does a double feature, and uh, so far I've only watched the one. I really like, like, his in, his injection into the narrative of whatever movie he chooses for his specials. Um but I just don't think there's really a whole lot of redemption for this one. So yeah, we're gonna move next. Uh, Black Adam. Uh, I have not actually watched Black Adam, but I did think it was relevant to note that Black Adam has happened and there is a lot of fallout from this. So technically speaking, we're not gonna cover this in the uh, rumors section because we already knew this was true. Uh, but technically speaking, a rumor was confirmed with this new, with the release of this new movie and that is that Henry Cavill is uh, Superman once again at the very least least for this movie. We'll get into, you know, other things pertaining to Henry Cavill Superman in the rest of the episode. But, uh, and also the big thing that's coming out of this is The Rock's influence in the DCEU now being called just DCU, which is, I mean, the, most of us have kind of been calling it that since the beginning, right? So the DC universe the Rock is apparently going to have some pretty heavy influence over the cinematic side of that. I don't think he's going to play into this, the the TV series uh, sections at all. I don't think he's going to play into the animated stuff at all, at all. Uh, and definitely has nothing to do with the comic books, uh, which comic books is kind of still its own thing as far as uh, Warner Brothers and such are concerned. But this, this new studio that they've created, the DC Studios, and we'll, we're going to talk about that as well once we get into the movie section, um... Yeah, it looked like for a hot second they were going to be giving The Rock the reins of this new, you know, cinematic universe that they're creating effectively. He has said that he doesn't want that. He wants to be in an advisory position, which it seems that he knows uh, how he can affect things with the least amount, with the most influence and least amount of commitment, I guess is a Venn diagram that he's trying to exist in because he also, I'm sure wants to be able to do other stuff. That's not DC movies. So yeah, I'm sure that's, that was kind of the impetus for that decision. Uh, but I, he also has been on record saying that the DCEU now the DCU uh, will always put the fans first. And I think if he is in an, in an advisory role and is taken seriously, and that is his motto, put the fans first, I think we are in line for some really fantastic DC Universe stuff. I think this could be potentially awesome. Again, haven't watched the movie yet. I hope to watch it uh, before we meet again this Friday. Uh, more likely, though, before we meet again next Wednesday. Uh, that being said, that's As we got for Black Adam, there's one more piece of that just happened, and it is Cabinet of Curiosities over on Netflix. The first two episodes have dropped, and if you are a horror fan, if you are a Guillermo del Toro fan, you should be a horror fan. Wow, you are just got Christmas in October. These first two episodes are so good. So good. The second one not as good, but uh I really I really really love Guillermo del Toro's A uh, Fascination with H.P. Lovecraft because Wow! Like the second episode of this is not written by Guillermo, but like he's the producer, and so whoever the 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 I didn't write down crap. I didn't write down his name. The director and the writers of the second episode is almost an H.P. Lovecraft book, like reimagined or H.P. Lovecraft story rather reimagined. So yeah, pretty awesome, pretty pretty freaking awesome. The first uh, episode though is called Lot Thirty Six, and it's starring Tim Blake Nelson. You'll recognize Mr. Nelson because. He's in Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Uh, he's one of the one of the, 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 the dumb sidekicks. Uh, of course it's him. Look at him. Uh, <laughs> he also was in that really not great Watchmen HBO series. Um, he was the, the man with the mirror mask. Uh, and he's done, you know, a number, a number of other things. And just, uh, he is really a chameleon. I think this man is an underappreciated gem. He should be in much more stuff and just fantastic. Uh, the first episode is written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. And it is, oh, Lovecraftian horror in a way that I didn't expect. Oh my God, that was so good. So good and legitimately creepy. Like... I mean, once you get to the Lovecraftian stuff, it becomes a totally different experience. But until you get to that point of both episodes, it's like, what is going on? This is, this is, and they're only like 40 minute long episodes. So it's, it's, it's like a very effective Tales from the Crypt. Where Tales from the Crypt was kind of a joke on purpose. It was dark comedy, but comedy nonetheless. This is not, this is just dark and it's great and you should watch it. And that is what we've got for That Just Happened. So let's talk. News, shall we, nerds? TV streaming is where we are now. Uh, We have some follow ups over here on TV streaming. First up, we have a release date for the Mayfair Witches, as well as a new trailer, which probably should have put this in the trailer section, but whatever. Release date for Mayfair Witches is now January 8th of 2023. Super excited. Go watch the trailer. Uh, hopefully they can update this in a similar fashion to the Interview of the Vampire stuff, because Anne Rice stuff translates rather well. That being said, let's move on. Next, for the follow-ups in TV streaming, Succession Season 4 has been announced. We'll be launching spring, sometime in the spring, of 2023. Uh, and then we have The Witcher. We just got the announcement that they are in active production, currently on Season 4 and 5 for the Netflix series. And then our final follow-up for 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 TV streaming is. Flash, the ninth and final season, we now know is going to feature the Red Death, which is really weird to bring in as a farewell season thing because Dark Multiverse and all of this stuff that the Red Death uh, implies. Uh, There are a bunch of rumors around the Red Death, which we will get to in the rumor mill. But right now, all we know for certain is that Red Death is going to be in this because we've seen pictures of Red Death on set in the Red Death costume, which is why there's rumors because it's who is in that costume. Well, that's uh, subject to some debate. So that is what we have for. Uh, follow-ups and corrections for TV streaming. Our next trailer is the Silent Hill Ascension trailer. It's uh, kind of more teaser, a little bit more explanation. Still leaves you with a lot of questions because I'm not still convinced that this is going to be a series in the traditional sense of the word. Actually, we know it's not going to be in a traditional sense of the word, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be live action actors or if this is going to be some sort of game interactive thing uh, or if it's just going to be like uh, the, the pick your own Adventure a la Netflix, but through text messaging. I don't know. I don't know what it is they're billing it as a series, they're billing it as a live action, or they're billing it as a live interactive event series or something like that. Uh, Lots of buzzwords included. It's going to be live, you're going to be able to interact with it. How you're going to be able to digest it is the part that very much remains to be seen. Is it going to happen through Netflix? Is it going to happen through a game console? Who knows? But as we find these things out, we will definitely be talking about it. This is uh, one of the other things that was announced at the Silent Hill special broadcast last week. Um, We touched on it ever so briefly, though if you're on a syndicated outlet, you didn't hear it. Uh, we touched on it ever so briefly in, in an audio clip that I had to kind of inject really quick into the editing process. And it looks intriguing. I'm going to say that much and we're going to move right along. Our next trailer comes from Titans Season 4. Uh, not only are we getting Brother Blood, uh, Mother Mayhem, and Jinx, but we also are getting a really badass-looking Lex Luthor. I'm digging it. <laughs> uh, like I said, I have I have a little bit of catching up to do on Titans, but uh, yeah, this is gonna be Pretty big. I really like where they're going with the DC TV stuff, at least on HBO. Uh, That is all we have for trailers. Let's talk about regular-ass news. We are in TV streaming, and that means we have one... Downer piece to start the regular ass news. Leslie Jordan, actor Leslie Jordan, has passed. You will remember Leslie Jordan from Will and Grace. He was in uh, American Horror Story, 1984. He was in. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He was in quite a bit of things, and uh, he was 67. It's. I'm. It's very kind of foggy as to the cause of death apparently there was some sort of well no (laughs) as to uh, the the details i guess because cause of death is fairly obvious he was in a car accident um but the the car accident was because of a medical emergency and uh that's all we can really get so it's just it's a sad day because i mean he was he was really funny he was really good at what he did he Granted, he got kind of typecast a lot, but uh, I mean, if you're good at a thing and and you love to do the thing, then why not lean into it? And I feel like that's what Leslie Jordan did. Absolutely. So all of that being said, we're going to take a moment and remember the comedy that we got, the the amazing career, honestly, that this man had given us. Uh, Leslie Jordan, you will be missed. All right. So that is, uh, we got to come out of that. <laughs> so we have uh, Geiger is where we're going next. Uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank are bringing their image book to Paramount, which means, very likely, Paramount Plus is where it is going to be released. The series, the live-action series, again, that is going to Paramount, is going to be show-ran by Jeff Johns himself. He is going to serve as head writer on the project. And for those of us that don't know exactly what Geiger is, it is apparently a, a story based on nuclear, Fallout, post-apocalyptic world in 2050. Uh, it seems in certain aspects to resemble that of Fallout series, but it's a little more action-packed, as evidenced by the image that you're very likely viewing on screen right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely not Fallout, but uh, similar story elements from what I've been able to gather. I have never read this book, so somebody please let me know, is this book worth a read? I mean, Jeff Johns is kind of always a win, but not always, always, just like 90% win. So yeah, I, I, I might be interested in checking this one out. Either way, it is getting turned into a live action series let's move on next is uh this is the big one it's technically has to do with everything uh but i put it in tv streaming because at the time there wasn't as many as much in the tv streaming section as in movies but now that seems to have flip-flop either way we're talking dc studios <laughs> Uh, so DC Film, uh, DC Films is no more. The film studio that was created, that was, uh, led up by Walter Hamada is no more. It is now being called DC Studios and is going to be in charge of more than just movies. It is going to be DC movies, it's going to be DC TV shows, as well as DC animation. So all of that stuff is going to be coming from one studio. And the biggest part of this, I know I've totally buried the lead on this, but the biggest part of this is that James Gunn and his production partner, Peter Saffron, are both going to be the heads of this new DC Studios studio. (laughs) So apparently, uh, why can I not remember that name? So apparently, James Gunn is going to be the one that is in charge of the artistic direction and, and making sure everything kind of flows together and works. He's going to be, for all intents and purposes, the Kevin Feige of the situation. And then uh, Peter Saffron is going to be the man who makes sure production happens. So he's going to be the man who uh, secures financing and, and kind of, you know, sets budgets and all that thing. All of the all of the boring side of the Kevin Feige job, that's going to be Saffron. So, Yeah. Huge, also not super surprising. This was honest. This was a, a rumor that I had been hearing since uh, San Diego Comic-Con, but I don't know, it just didn't seem like anything that was really going to be entertaining to talk about and when it was a rumor, so we didn't really put it in any of the rumor mill sections, but it has been kind of floating around for some time that, uh, that James Gunn was gonna be the guy and now James Gunn is the guy. So rumor confirmed, I guess? That's what we got on that one, though. So let's move next to actually a really interesting one with Disney and Doctor Who. So Doctor Who is moving into, uh, I don't even remember how many seasons it was because they didn't put it in the notes because they take amazing notes. But uh, they it, it's the 15th Doctor that we're getting now with Nakudi, I can't remember his last name. Um, and so it's been going for a long damn time. It's been going since like the fifties, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, there was uh, some time off there in the middle, but either way, one of the longest running nerd uh, IPs out there is going into, you know, some pretty epic territory at this point. Uh, that being said, up until this point, the only distribution rights for Doctor Who was through BBC. BBC America, uh, BBC streaming platform, BBC, I think, exclusively in the UK. Uh, That was the only way to get it. Now... The production staff at Doctor Who, whoever's in charge of that side of things for that property have struck up a deal with Disney so that it will still be on all of those BBC platforms, but it will also be on Disney plus going forward. It's not they're not going to do the back catalog. They're only going to do, I believe uh, since jo- Jody Whitaker left uh, as as that doctor, they're going to be picking up with the new doctor and everything going forward is going to be on Disney Plus as well. So, uh, it's not exclusive. They're not, which is very interesting considering Disney does like to keep everything pretty exclusive to their platform. It's not the case here. Uh, but still pretty dang interesting. Um, nonetheless, that's what we've got there. Let's move into. TV streaming suggestions. Uh, this one, I honestly, if you listened to the uh, intro to this episode, the, the that just happened, this should be no surprise. Cabinet of Curiosities is our suggestion for the week. Oh my God. It's two episodes. It's Barely over an hour worth of, of material. But uh, as you're getting ready for Halloween, these two episodes will set the mood almost like nothing else. I think there is one other series on Netflix that is better than this as far as Halloween moods, and we're going to talk about that one next week in suggestions. But this week, check out Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Now let's talk movies section. All right, movies. Uh, we have some follow-ups here as well. Uh, the, a more Silent Hill action, because that Silent Hill broadcast got us a little bit of everything, it would seem. Uh, return to Silent Hill is going to be a thing. Christoph Gans, the man who was in charge of the first live-action movie, not the second one, because there's an obvious difference in quality there, but the first live-action director, Christoph Gans, is coming back to give us another movie presumably he's going to ignore the second movie, but I don't know if that necessarily will play into his favor because, I don't know, the second movie's not bad. It's actually pretty watchable. So uh, very little is known about this. This is one of the things in that broadcast that we know the least about, uh, second only to the Ascension thing that happened over on TV streaming that's like, what even is this? Uh, we at least know this is a movie and we at least know that Christoph Gans is going to be directing and probably taking some sort of writing role as well. Uh, That being said, that's all we know, so let's move into. uh, Profit is a comic book movie adaptation we've talked about previously. Jake Gyllenhaal is set to star. That is not the follow-up. The follow-up is that they just got a new screenwriter in Kurt Johnstad. Uh, Kurt Johnstad, you will potentially know his work because he was one of the writers on the 300 movie as well as Atomic Blonde. Johnstad is uh, coming in to replace previous mar- writer Mark Guggenheim. Uh, uh, Hopefully, that's a good thing. Doesn't doesn't say whether it, the, the announcement, rather, didn't mention if this was going to be for a full rewrite, if he's just going to be doctoring the script so that it makes a little bit more sense. He can just trim it down, something. None of that information is known. All we know is that the Prophet movie is moving forward just very, very slow. Slowly, So let's do that as well, just a little bit more quickly. Next, we have trailers to talk about. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, The next trailer just dropped, and this is very interesting. We're gonna be playing a lot with this Quantum Realm. We're gonna be getting a lot of Kang the Conqueror, and potentially, this is going to be the movie if you want to believe the hype and the rumors, which we're not going to cover this in rumors. Why we're talking about here, but this is potentially going to be where we see how the Shang Chi and Miss Marvel stuff uh, ties into the MCU at large. So this very well could be huge. Also, uh, rumors are having it that there's going to be a lot revealed in the post-credit scene as to the future of the MCU. So. This is going to be a pivotal movie, and I think it's going to be pretty decent to watch as well. It's not just going to be all of the all of the meta tertiary things on the side of the movie. This, the, judging by this trailer, there's going to be a lot of substance to it as well. So I'm I'm digging digging that because I felt like Ant-Man, uh, the the last time we saw Ant-Man, he was really just there as filler, and this time he's taking a little bit more substantial spot in the MCU, and I like it. Next on trailers, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Um <laughs> Kevin Bacon <laughs> what what oh uh, this is this is just goofy up on top of goofy and a little bit of silly on the side oh boy uh it's going to be a lot of fun i th- there's no way that you cannot just smile while watching this trailer i don't know go watch it if you don't smile maybe correct me tell me i'm wrong but either way i dig it it's gonna be a whole lot of fun we're moving on let's talk about some regular ass news and both of these are uh we have two pieces for regular ass news and they're both movies in franchises that uh we kind of, i personally kind of thought were dying especially saw we are apparently getting a saw 10 now uh it is going to be a continuation of the reboot story so maybe it's not going to tie into the original series outside of name only, uh, except it's going to be Tobin Bell returning to the role of Jigsaw. And then there's other uh, outlets that are saying that this is going to be a prequel of sorts, where we get uh, the history of Billy the Puppet. And so Tobin Bell, I don't know, just a lot of weird and don't really know a whole lot because it just got greenlit. So we will be keeping tabs on Saw 10 as things develop. And that's what we got on that. So let's move to our next piece, which is The Conjuring. This is the other one that's like, wow, that series is still going, huh? Mainline Conjuring uh, movie, Conjuring number four, has uh, just been greenlit. It is, again, going to be New Line Cinema. Patrick Wilson and Vera Formiga have not yet a officially been uh, contracted to return, but at this point it seems like that is more formality than anything. It's just a matter of who's going to get paid what, I would imagine. Um, James Wan and his production company are returning to produce, and yeah, that, that's really all we know, because again, this just got greenlit, but that is what we have for the movies news section, so let's bust out those recommendations. Movies suggestion for the week Probably my favorite Halloween movie of all time. Halloween, the OG 1978 from John Carpenter. This movie just freaking Works. Uh, there's no in-depth uh, conversation about who Michael Myers is. You get the base. You get the little bit of, man, eh, he's just a crazy old guy. At the end of the m-. like, there is there. It's enough mystery is left here that it makes it intriguing. Uh, the performances are all solid. John Carpenter directing this movie just is a masterclass in how to do an independent budget on, for a major label or major production company. Just yeah, it's 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 so great on so many levels go watch and appreciate some halloween og halloween and then we've got some rumor mill to talk about. So rumor mill, we have new sources on old rumors and some of these are pretty interesting. First up, we have Star Wars, the Damon Lindelof led movie that we were thinking originally is going to be a trilogy. I think that might be because they announced it as a trilogy. Well, uh, it is still happening. The the rumor part of this is kind of twofold. First up is that uh, the director is going to be Sharmin Obad uh, Shinoy, uh, who also directed Miss Marvel. And then the other half of that is that it is no longer going to be a trilogy that uh, specifically Lucasfilm has nixed all trilogies going forward uh, out out the gate. Nothing is going to be a trilogy. Everything is going to be a one-shot movie unless it does well. And if it does well, then they'll open up the door for a trilogy for that specific movie. Which seems still like they're missing the point because if you want to do a trilogy, then, then the proper way to do it is to have a story ready. You have to plan this out to make it work. And that was the lesson we were supposed to learn from the sequel trilogy. It was like, well, they're flying by the seat of their pants. And it kind of is super obvious by that second and third movie uh maybe maybe learn the right lesson next time Lucasfilm? i don't know but yeah that's the rumor so let's let's the uh, likelihood i think honestly the director thing the uh, uh, charmine i'm i'm not going to try and say her last name again because i'm not going to say it right <laughs> but uh the that part of it i think honestly if i'm remembering correctly as i was coming up to film i saw that this had been confirmed as uh, as real though i can't say that one way or the other uh 100% so we're gonna say about 90% for the director thing but the one-off movie also I'm giving that one pretty high Uh, I haven't heard this from a lot of other uh, sources but the source that it comes from is pretty solid which means we're going about 80% on that one I would be very surprised if they wanted to sink a whole lot of money into another trilogy anytime soon unless it was guaranteed return on investment. So there is that. Our next uh, new source for rumor is more Dr. Doom stuff. This time though, it goes a little bit further. We have from some pretty serious sources that Ryan Gosling is being very much considered, is likely to be Dr. Doom. And then we have one of these sources goes a little bit further and says that Adam Driver is going to be the opposite side of that coin in Reed Richards what (laughs) honestly you could almost flip that and it would make a little bit more sense driver definitely we know he can work it with a with a mask like that is that it's very evident by the character of kylo ren so we have that established but then like wow um just ryan gosling i don't know there's so much weird here they're both talented actors and I, i don't see gosling in either of these roles i like there's I'm I'm not saying he can't handle it. It's just there's a better fit out there somewhere. Uh, I I was actually talking to a nerdy friend of mine that that said, you know, they should find a Romani uh, actor to play the role of Doctor Doom because that would make a little bit more sense. The accent would be a little closer to right and so on and so forth. So I could see that argument a little bit more than I can see Ryan Gosling as Doctor Doom. But I mean, at this point, it's kind of hard to ignore. And the source that went on to to name Adam Dreherstel drivers also got a pretty dang good track record with their rumor leaks. So that puts us on a percentage point. Uh, last time we didn't pay much, uh, much, any never mind really, to the Gosling announcement. I, mean, I think we gave it like a 30 or 40%. I'm bumping that up to 60%. I think this, is, this has strong potential to be a thing, as weird as it sounds. And then Adam Driver, I'm also giving a 60% because... I did. If, if the Gosling thing is that likely, then the driver thing has got to be that likely. And they're not based on each other, they're both just the same source. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. All right. So next new source also has to do with Doctor Doom, this Doctor Doom rumor, uh, which we I think we've only talked about this once. So it's just more source. This is kind of rumor based on rumor, because the last time we talked about this, we said that it was a rumor that Doctor Doom was going to be in the post credit scene for the Wakanda Forever movie. Well, this new rumor says that that rumor was accurate, but now they have removed Doctor Doom from the post credit scene of Wakanda Forever. Which is weird. Um, why would you do that? Probably because they haven't had, they don't have him cast just yet. And, you know, Wakanda Forever is coming out very soon. So, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. But this is still rumor based on rumor. And, uh, if, if our only way to prove this rumor is that Dr. Doom is not in the post-credit scene, I think there's a, that's a pretty provable part. But that doesn't, there's no way for us to prove the first bit if the second bit's true. So we're only giving the second bit a 50% likelihood because it's rumor based on rumor. And that's just a weird kind of, yeah, no. (laughs) But that is all we have for new sources. So let's get into new rumors. We have Silver Surfer is the next one being rumored to be getting a Disney Plus special presentation. Silver Surfer, special presentation. This is pretty weak sources, but it is multiple sources. Just neither of them have a very good track record. Uh, so I'm going to give this one a 60%, and I think that's a little generous. But again, multiple sources are saying it, so it's, it's a little more likely than not. Uh, next, we're talking about Nicolas Cage. This is kind of two rumors from the same source there. Nicolas Cage, what with his Nicolas Cage renaissance that's going on right now. Apparently, we have uh he, Nicolas Cage is being rumored to be in talks for both another National Treasure movie as well as uh, the face-off rumor has resurfaced. Uh, this is not new source about the same rumor. This is a new rumor about a, the same subject, I guess. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> Nicolas Cage, sure, it's been a while since he's been in a blockbuster movie. He has said in interviews the only reason he hasn't done a big blockbuster movie is because he hasn't been asked to do these things. Um, it, it, there's... I don't know. This seems a little weak, but also super hype. So I'm I'm going to give this higher than it probably should get. We're going to say about 70% likely that Nicolas Cage is going to do both National Treasure and Face-Off sequels. Red Death is our next rumor. So, uh, the, we talked in TV streaming about Red Death and how pictures of a Red Death character are on set at the ninth season of The Flash. Uh, and now the rumor is who is inside the, the suit is... Javicia Leslie, uh, who, if you remember, played Batwoman in the Batwoman series, also on the CW that didn't make it for very long. Uh, She was the second Batwoman because the first one, uh, yeah, we've already covered all this. It's irrelevant to this. Javicia Leslie, Batwoman, um, it will obviously not be Batwoman playing Red Death because that's silly. But, well, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me phrase that slightly differently. It will not be the Batwoman from the series Batwoman inside the suit. The character will not be the same. Yes, it will still be a version of that character, but as we know from the comic books, uh, Red Death is Bruce Wayne from a dark multiverse. So in the Arrowverse, or the Berlantiverse, or what, however you want to refer to that uh, franchise, Uh, Red Death is going to be Batwoman from a different multiverse. Uh, Dark multiverse, I don't think is super likely, though, I mean, the name of the character is Red Death, so Dark is kind of implied, but... uh, Yeah, let's give this one a likelihood. I... I, It will... It's... (sighs) As for actual evidence as to why this this could be Javicia Leslie, there is not a whole lot. And what's there isn't super strong because it kind of looks like there's a guy inside that suit just based off of the body type. Um, so that being said, that's not to say that they're not going to cheat that a little bit, maybe use a male stunt double, uh, for certain, for certain shots and such, and then actually have, uh, Javicia Leslie, a version of her Batwoman inside the suit as far as the story goes, uh, because they want to keep her on. They they want, they like that Ryan Wilde character. They feel like the Ryan Wilde character did decently in spite of the fact that the series got, you know, Demolished. Uh, so, yeah, I think just based on, you know, current social climbs and things, I think that is the only thing that is really lending itself to this rumor. So, we're going to put it at about 55%, slightly higher than middle of the road, because there is a little bit of reason to believe that as we get closer to the release of this, we will definitely be keeping tabs on this rumor and let's move. Right along, our next rumor has to do with Wonder Man. Wonder Man over in Marvel. Apparently, Yaya Abdul Mateen II is set to be cast, uh, for this role in an undisclosed movie. Which is kind of backwards, right? Usually somebody gets cast in something and we don't know what the role is, but now we, we're, we're hearing that he's been cast for a character and we don't know what the movie is. So, uh, there is, this is really weak, um, I feel like Mateen is or Yaya Abdul Mateen is kind of a busy man, so being part of the DCU and the MCU doesn't seem super uh, likely. I but I mean. I don't know, he is kind of in-demand actor these days, so it would make sense if they were trying to get him. So, let's say 40% likely. Just because it's less likely than not, but yeah, that's where we're going. Uh, Next, we're talking about Storm in the MCU. Kevin Feige is apparently looking to get Halle Berry to reprise her role as uh, Storm, which is kind of awesome, though seems... I don't know. It seems like that that potentially could axe some of the story potential for the character unless they're doing some sort of multiverse thing and and she's only coming for say the the Secret Wars movie which would kind of make sense. So, will we see Halle Berry let's 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 do will we see Halle Berry come back as Storm? for the MCU at large? Probably not. Will we see Halle Berry come back for some sort of cameo or small role as Storm from a different universe other than the 616 uh, MCU universe? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good possibility for that. So we're gonna say like 65% that she'll be a cameo and like, 30% that it's going to be a storm for the MCU at large. Uh, Our next one has to do with Goldeneye. That's right. We got some more Goldeneye rumors, video game nerds. Uh, Goldeneye, uh, with the interesting release schedule for uh, the n- nintendo switch it would seem that they are leaving their december release window pretty wide open and that has gotten the rumor mill a churning which means that the rumor is that goldeneye for both platforms nintendo and xbox is going to be released in december uh, I would say, sure. Th- this is not really based on any insider information. This is conjecture. It sounded like uh, from people who are want to, you know, give insider information. So everyone's kind of chalking it up that it is going to be a thing, and I think it's possible. Though I, I don't want to get a hopes up necessarily. So we're going to put this one right at 50%. Could go either way. Nerdy Legion. That is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining me. If you want to go deeper into comics and comic culture jump over to nerdylegion.com see all of the other podcasts we offer on the subject and uh if you want to join me in the full news episode you can see me on my youtube channel youtube.com slash generally nerdy thank you very much nerds we will see you next time